Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza and I am joined by my very good friend, Dalton Del Don, who is undoubtedly excited for the start of the MLB playoffs. Today, though, we'll try to keep the focus on football and preview each of the Sunday games for week five of the NFL season. But first, a little pre-show business. You know how we do it at the top of these things. Do you really need me to tell you how great Yahoo Fantasy Plus is? I've been doing it week after week. I mean, how much it can help your team? No, you don't. Because you know the deal by now. You've heard me talk about it week after week between the Trade Hub, the Research Assistant, and Andy Barron's, oh my goodness, absolutely fire weekly newsletter. Fantasy Plus will get you equipped with the best league-specific fantasy advice that money can buy. And best of all, you can try Fantasy Plus out for free, for free at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. All right, Dalton. I mean, I had to stay up. I promised my son that we could stay up and watch the Dodgers game. I was not expecting it to go as long as it did. <laughs> He's a little bit of a disaster at school on Thursday morning, I'm sure. Um, but yes, really quick baseball take from my, from my Giants fan. Oh, I'm a huge Giants fan. I have a big ticket on them at 50 to 1 early mm. in the year. Um, so I was rooting hardcore against the Dodgers. Obviously, they're a loaded team. It's unfair to win 107 games, have to immediately face a 106 win Dodger team. Yeah. Best run differential, historical run differential. So I'm entirely frightened of them. They're loaded. Obviously, the Dodgers are rightfully favored. Um, and now I think I'm going to go Saturday night. It just It's going to be, you're right, they're so long, these games, and it's so busy football season. But I can't help myself, man. This is the first time Dodgers and Giants have ever played in the postseason, which is just bizarre but it's because for so long they've been in that same division but but yeah it's wild and uh, i'm fired up for it also trey lance time i mean there's so much to talk about here liz but liz but i can only assume that it was an oversight that we're not leading off the outline with my daughter chloe winning her second race this weekend the second cross-country time she won it again this time three minutes nine seconds second place three minutes 39 seconds so 30 seconds and she beat all the boys so again Sorry, how does it say that in there real quick? Let's talk. No, I am all for it. I stand for Chloe. I mean, I could give you Paxton's baseball update. He did hit a triple. Um, Oh, nice. (laughs) He brought them within two. I think it's funny, though, watching these kids, because, like, I'm sure Chloe goes all out, right? Like, there is, like, a, like, a, nothing, like, go big, go home mentality. And my son, who's the same age as your daughter, was like, mom, we were down by five and I did the math and I was accepting for nothing but a triple. And so like he hit a ball to like near second base and 
the all, everybody was expecting him just to stop at first base, but like right. because he kept going, everybody like freaked out, and then they over, and then the second baseman like overthrew the ball, and he kept going to third, and then like the the coaches were like, stop, stop, stop. But I love that, like that they are just having fun and winning, but also like giving it everything. Yeah, it's the most exciting play in baseball. They call it the triple. So it's funny. Saturday, you know, um, life and death Giants fan, but I'll I'll care more about Chloe's track meet earlier that morning. So that's just the way it is. It's, I guess of you know, course. things change. Yeah, fall ball in SoCal is on Sundays. The games are, so I don't get to watch it. But my husband sends me uh, the videos while I'm working. Anyway, we are in uh, California, but the Jets and the Falcons have already traveled across the pond to London. We have our first one of those for the 2021 season happening. And there's a lot of drama. Like the London games always have an opportunity to go sideways. They're ones that I don't particularly like wagering on because I don't know. They're, they're rarely predictable unless they involve Blake Bortles. In any case of these two teams, you've got Calvin Ridley, a surprise out not making the trip due to a personal matter. Russell Gage also still dealing with, I believe, that ankle injury. So he is not active. That leaves, oh, Corderell Patterson coming off of a monster three touchdown outing that everybody is talking about and Kyle Pitts. (laughs) Dalton, I feel like every week I say, this is the week. This has got to be the week for Kyle Pitts. He did see a season high number of targets, nine in fact, last week. It didn't translate into a bunch of production, but you have to imagine that like, Maybe in merry old England, things will click for him. I think this is like the, around the 20th matchup in London, and they still have yet to feature two teams with winning records. Uh, too bad that, yeah, Ridley's out here. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure people are getting tired of hearing about Pitts, but you look at the air yards and the targets and the route run compared to the other tight ends, and he should be better. That's even with Ridley involved. Ridley, by the way, was the expected, second most expected fantasy points as a, in PPR, so he was really due for some, some regression and positively. But let's hope that all goes to Pitts this way. Uh, this this game, Corderell Patterson, man. I mean, obviously it's unsustainable to be as productive with the amount of touches, but he's due for more touches with the way he's been performing. And now more no Ridley uh, wheels up for CPAT and and Pitts, man. I understand that it's been frustrating with him, but I really do think it sets up nicely for him to finally have that breakout game we've been waiting for. Wilson coming off the first win of his career. I think this will be another. Corey Davis game. We know how generous Atlanta is to opposing receiving cores, but I also feel like Jamison Crowder is being underlooked. He's only rostered in 34% of Yahoo leagues. He's $16 in our, in our daily game. And like, I get it. He's a PPR play. What is he going to average? Like nine and a half yards per reception. So you're not probably going to get that end zone appeal, except I think you might be able to in this matchup. He did convert seven of nine for 61 and a score last week. And like I said, Atlanta's uh, allowing the third most touchdowns, seven in fact, to wide receivers on the season. So um, I, I like I like Jamison Carter a lot in PPR friendly formats. I do as well. This ECR right now is number 48 wide receiver expert consensus rank. I have a more like uh, 38. He's more like a wide receiver three for me. I know Elijah Moore may return, but Atlanta's a kind of a in London, pass- though? Like a rookie in London? Yeah. Nah. Atlanta's kind of a pass funnel defense. They allowed the second fewest rushing yards to running backs last year. So they 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 promote passing attempts from the uh, opposition. And yeah, Davis is the guy there, but I like Crowder and PPR. And Michael Carter is emerging as the main guy there for the Jets, but he's more of a deeper format uh, option. And like I said, the Falcons aren't actually the greatest matchup for opposing backs. But I'm with you with Crowder for sure, especially in PPR. 
Green Bay at Cincinnati is next up. And I think the headline for this matchup is Green Bay's defense being banged up and Cincinnati, at least in terms of their wide receivers, getting healthy with T. Higgins expected to play. So that'll be an interesting matchup. Like, I expect there to be a good number of points in this one. And let's not forget that the Bengals have had 10 days to prepare for the Packers. So they should be ready to go. Uh, it's 51. The, the over-under in this game is 51. I'm trying to get as many pieces of it as I can. And I think that there'll be more passing uh, and that Aaron Rodgers is going to have to target Devontae Adams, who is rather pricey, as expected in our daily game, but probably worth it. Um, I meant to say earlier, sorry, Corderell Patterson is the number two fantasy back on a per game basis in PPR this year, which is just absolutely absurd. Only behind uh, Derrick Henry. Um, this should be a fun game. Packers uh, Bengals uh, with Joe Mixon not not practicing. That's actually there's been a big splits with him on and off the field in the past as far as pass rate. So hopefully it promotes more volume. That's been the problem with Joe Burrow's fantasy value this year. But 9.2 YPA uh, getting Higgins back, as you said, Jair Alexander is out for this game. So it really sets up nicely for the passing attack. Cincinnati fire up Tyler Boyd and Chase you know all healthy now so I really like the setup there and the Packers obviously are going to put up points on the other side so so yeah I like the setup here for big uh, definitely for uh, Devontae Adams has not had that explosion game yet and it's coming I mean you look yeah. at the volume so it might, might as well be this week that's what I was I mean I love like Devontae Adams as my wide receiver one in daily and then Jamar Chase at $20 if you want to go with T Higgins, I mean, if it were a larger discrepancy between the dollar amounts and those two players, then I would lean towards Higgins. But ah, first game back, like, let's let him get everything situated. If Chase is only 20 bucks, he's a great wide receiver, too, in your daily lineup. Let's talk about Samaji P. Ryan, obviously, because he's trending all over Twitter, one of the most picked up and added uh, players in our game. He is now 34% rostered, which is more than I think anyone expected Samaji P. Ryan to be. Where are you placing him? I mean, traditionally, Green Bay's run defense has been a bunch of paper tigers, pretty generous. And But right now, if you look just strictly at the numbers, they're only allowing a YPC of 4.3, but they also haven't been tested because of game flow. You can use him if you need an RB3 or a flex. I mean, running back is such a, a whack position right now. But I don't love him as a plug-and-play like an Alexander Madison mm -hmm. or a Damian Will or a Damian Williams even because the coaches even come out and said it's going to be a committee situation. Captain America, Chris Evans, a rookie, is really good out of the backfield as a receiver. So I think P. Ryan is more like, uh, like I said, like I have my ground RB29 or something. Latavius Murray, a guy who's not going to be very active as a receiver and um, I, more, more of a committee. But again, the running back position so thin you can use him if, if Mixon sits yeah nice band-aid let's hope he falls into the end zone sort of play let's keep talking about running backs because there's a little bit of goss flown around the interwebs in Detroit they're traveling to Minnesota this week and Anthony Lynn publicly said he wished that he went with Jamal Williams who I love more in week four I still find myself drafting again because of how thin the position is swift like in my top 12 like he's a 10 to rb 10 to 12 every single week because of the amount of like routes run and targets drawn i mean he ran 31 routes in week four and he only logged eight carries but like williams recorded 14 carries but zero targets so i'm trying to figure out what Anthony Lynn meant, because to me, it looks like when you see these two skill sets, you pretty much understand that one is being used as a receiver and the other one is being used as, a, you know, a between the tackles rusher. 
Yeah, I don't understand it either. You said he wants more Swift, and then he gives more carries to Williams, and then this week says that he, Williams should have got even even more. But Swift is getting so many high-value touches, and in PPR, you just simply have to use him. But it's not the greatest matchup against a mad Minnesota team you know, that got beat by the Browns last week. This spread is opened at 7.5, and, and I think it's moved to 9.5. Uh, my debate this week is the Vikings or the Pats in uh, my big survivor pools because oh. I don't have the Bucks. So... Goff, you know, indoors, the problems he has with those tiny hands is when it starts to rain outdoors, and they, they've moved the ball, actually. And uh, this divisional game, the Lions last week had three goal-to-go situations and came away with zero points. Like, they're not the absolute worst team. So, like, I wouldn't be shocked if they, you know, moved the ball with Swift and Williams and, and made a game of this. And who knows Cook's status on the, on the flip side. Well, that's the point that, I mean, last week, clearly, whether Mike Zimmer wants to admit it or not, Cook was hampered by the ankle. And if you're the centerpiece and fulcrum on which the rest of the offense moves then if you're not at 100 it's not functioning at even 80 percent so i do think that like 37 dollars in um our daily game like the second he's just behind uh derrick henry in terms of price like i don't know like it's juicy because like 37 dollars is a lot and the ankle but also detroit is so generous versus the run like how do you not try to try to roster him there yeah that is a tough one he's madison why would you not i don't know i feel like they could yes, beat him without using cook yeah. to me so i think it's too big of a risk at that price i think i even made him my fade in my dfs column so to me i would stay away but i got gotcha. you nearly 10 point favorites against a horrible run defense that's why it's enticing no, no question about it but i think even if cook suits up Typically, if he's active, they treat him like a workhorse. But in this situation, after leaving last week and aggravating that ankle, I feel like even if he's active, I f- they should sp- he'll split with Madison. So I would shy away in DFS. But That's certainly I can coaching. see the argument. Um, True. So every week we do a bold predictions piece together, uh, our crew plus Jen Eakins and Troy King. And this week, Jen Eakins' bold prediction was about Tyler Conklin and that he scores finding his way into the top 10. Are you, are you buying this argument? It's, it's tempting when you look at his usage. I like Conk. Yeah. Look at the tight end position. It's so thin. I have him as a top 15 option this week there without, or yeah, he's benefited from Dover Smith there. Um, healthy KJ Osborne is another deep sleeper in this game. I mean, the Lions defense is really, really bad. And if you have a banged up cook guys like Conklin mm-hmm. Osborne, absolute, absolutely become deeper options. So much is predicated on how healthy cook is, right? Like, because the question is, will the volume be there for anyone outside of Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen? And if so, then yes. But if Cook is running at 100%, I mean, is Kirk going to need to put it in the air that much? So yes, I guess because um, tight end is so thin, I am agreeing that Tyler Conklin would be a top 15 play. It's hard for me to say he'd be a top 10 play, but that's why it is a bold Mm -hmm. prediction on the behalf of Ms. Eakins. Denver is traveling to Pittsburgh. Good news, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, who's coming off of that concussion, was limited in practice on Thursday. So he should be ready to go. Um, I'm sure everybody <laughs> I'm sure everybody on the coaching staff is relieved because the Drew Locke experience is one that not everyone has the stomach for. And the Steelers are getting healthier too. It looks like Chase Claypool will be good to go. He's been limited because of that hamstring, but he's tr- trending towards a start. And I, don't, I mean, I, I feel like this game's pretty boring. It's 39 points is the over-under. Pittsburgh is favored by one, which I'm actually surprised by. Ben looks cooked. We know that the Denver pass rush is pretty fire. Um, The only, like, little piece of something I could tease out of here was the fact that 
Albert O, the other tight end that is not Noah Fant, he didn't practice on Thursday. He's dealing with a hamstring injury, and Fant has logged over 90% of the team's snaps for two weeks, in, two weeks in a row, and he's coming off of a season-high 10 targets. His second touchdown of the season was last week. He's $19 in our daily game, but I feel like Noah, if you have Noah Fant, you're rolling with him every week anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Fant is, is emerged as a top 10 weekly fantasy tight end. Uh, this game is definitely boring fantasy-wise. Bridgewater hopefully plays. Drew Locke is a notable, significant downgrade. Pittsburgh coming off three straight losses, probably the better coaching. They might ugly this game up. Keep your status. Keep your monitor. Uh, Chase Claypool's status. He's missing practice with the hammy. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a defensive battle that's not going to put, put up a bunch of fantasy goodness in this one. Miami at Tampa Bay. Now, Tampa Bay is favored by 10. Gio Bernard, even though he's a pass catching back, I think it just bears mentioning, returned to practice on Wednesday. But Leonard Fournette, who saw all of his production last week, plus the ground game opportunities, is $18 in our daily game. Um, When you have a team that's favored by 10 points, you have to imagine, and Ronald Jones sucks so bad, that you have to imagine that like Fournette is going to get a ton of opportunities in this. We had 20 carries in week four at New, at New England. I'm using Fournette in my DFS lineup this week. You said he's getting the three down back, no Geo. He'll get the catches too. I mean, maybe Ronald Jones comes in and, and gets a, a score there. But Tampa Bay has been really ignoring the running backs of the goal line to the point of you expect that to regress some. You said a double-digit home favorites. Um, really like the setup for Lenny in this quite a bit. Uh, yeah, he's one of the, he should be projected to be one of the few true like three down backs this weekend, one of the, you know, maybe a dozen or so, but he's not priced like that at all in DFS. And I think you and I both are high on Devontae Parker this week as well. He almost made it into my sleepers column, but I felt like maybe he wasn't under the radar enough, so I didn't add him. But he was on the short list uh, while I was creating it. He's only $17 in our daily game. And also I mentioned this on the Sunday night recap pod. I love the Brissette targeted him in the end zone didn't work out and then went back to him and he scored. And to me, that is evidence of uh, an attempt to include this contested catch player into the game plan to start to like evolve the playbook a little bit. And, you know, he converted four of nine for 77 and a touchdown. And right now Tampa Bay is allowing the most points to wide receivers. Clearly that banged up secondary is a mess. They're really missing Jamal Dean. And, Like, I think Parker's a great under-the-radar play. I think if you have a wide receiver three situation, I'd I'd try to add him or play him. Couldn't agree more. Sean Murphy Bunting's out. Carlton Davis is also out. Tampa Bay, the number one pass funnel defense dating back to last year. Teams are throwing the ball like 73% of the time or something. You cannot run run against them, so you have to pass. So I know they have an overall solid defense, but that that was true even before all the the injuries to their secondary. So now it's just a total perfect spot if you want to start pass catchers. It's not ideal Jacoby Brissett throwing, but I like Devontae Parker. I like Jalen Waddle this week. I mean, there's no Will Fuller there yep. too. So there, I mean, it's the volume should be there. Parker, uh, check on him. He's missed uh, limited practice with a shoulder injury, but uh, he was my second choice to my bold prediction this week. Cause I rank him like 15 spots higher than his ECR. So I'm with you there. Parker Waddle liked them quite a bit in this matchup. I have Rob Gronkowski rostered in the fishbowl. Now the fishbowl is a tight end premium league and there are no trades for anyone who's listening and isn't familiar with it. So you can't like, if, if you get banged, you kind of get banged. And so Cameron Bright was one of the few options available for me. 
Um, and I went after him on waivers because I need, especially in a tight end premium league, like I need to have more availability. I have Cole Komet too, but that just doesn't feel nice all the time. He's only braid is $10 in our daily game. And he did log his highest snap total and ran his most routes last week, not only of like the 21 season, but of the entire Tom Brady era last week, which I think is telling because we've seen Bray exceed as a red zone weapon in previous years. He's been with the Bucks for, I believe, eight years. So I think there's an opportunity. I know people like really want OJ Howard to happen, but I feel like Bray, especially with a player as veteran as Tom Brady, is just frankly more reliable. And when Gronk went out, what was that, two weeks ago after he, ha- after he took that hit to the midsection on the very next play, Brady targeted Cameron Brait. So I think he could do some damage against the Dolphins, who, let's not forget, gave up two touchdowns to Mo Alley-Cox last week. Yeah, and O.J. Howard looks slow to recover from that Achilles tear, too. So he's a total total option there. I think my favorite cheap one still Ricky Seals-Jones we'll talk about later, but Bright nice. Bra- right there. Sure, no, no problem with Bright. Yeah, absolutely. They they throw the ball, as I said, so much inside the 10. You know, he, he could easily be a beneficiary. Like, it wouldn't shock if he caught two short touchdowns. The Saints are traveling to Washington. I think this could be a messy game. Like, I really like Taylor Heineke. I've talked him up. He's been a top 12 fantasy producer for three straight weeks. But this matchup is obviously tough for the Washington football team. I think Antonio Gibson is still, like, in the top 15 running backs because the position is so tough. But if I have, and I do have Antonio Gibson, like, I'm going to try to reach for a little more upside in my flex to make up for what might be a down-ish week for him. And you mentioned Logan Thomas. He is on IR with that hamstring injury, which means that Ricky Seals-Jones, you know, converted wide receiver, right, has an opportunity. I don't really like RSJ so much in this matchup, but I don't mind rostering him because the Washington football team plays the Chiefs in week six. So that's like a look ahead, a look ahead play for me or pick up for me. Yeah, I don't mind RSJ as a cheap DFS uh, flyer this week because Curtis Samuel continues to miss practice. Uh, you said Gibson's banged up. And New Orleans is a tough D, but they're extra tough against the run. So I think they might have to be, you know, force some passes. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a flyer. I mean, he could get a total goose egg there as well. But Taylor Heineke's played played quite well and slinging it downfield, doing a nice impersonation of Fitzpatrick. So, but what about Terry McLaurin, who's just emerged as a uh, easy top 10? I mean, he leads, uh, I think he's second in the league in end zone targets and then just not dropping anything thrown his way. So he's finally, uh, finally breaking out like everyone had been and had hoped would happen. I'm a little bit, um, Charles and Frank Schwab talked about this on the Sunday night edition of UPod to win the game. And that's that. And Matt and I did too, to a certain extent that like, New Orleans just has no identity. It's it's hard to figure this team out. It's hard even defensively, like they're they're up and they're down. But particularly offensively, it feels like Sean Payton is terrified of unleashing Jameis Winston. But you can't play safe and win games all the time. And uh, frankly, like the Washington football team's defense is also a, a I can't figure them out either. Like, what's the problem here? I thought they you know had their moments last week, but the matchup was against Atlanta. I'm really not sure what to do with Mark Marquez Callaway, right? Only two targets last week, caught both of them, but 74 yards. The matchup is good. Washington football team is allowing the second most catches, 72 to opposing wide receivers, but the 17th most catches over 20 yards. So yes, they're allowing gains, but not like those big splash plays, which we would expect from Callaway and Winston. 
Washington's pass defense ranks last in EPA. They've been legit bad this year, uh, far different than we all expected. Um, but how can you trust anyone outside of Alvin Kamara on this New Orleans offense that hasn't seen Winston attempt more than 23 passes in a game? I mean, it's just so conservative. It's literally the opposite of his 30-30 season from a couple years ago. Armstead's out, left tackle, another injury at center. I mean, it's just... I don't know. It's just different than we all expected uh, out of this version of the Saints. So, um, yeah, Kamara is great seeing all the carries. No targets last week. I mean, it's just bizarro world, really. Yeah. It's like the literally the opposite of what one would expect with the Winston uh, quarterback team. But, uh, yeah, it's not ideal for fantasy terms. That's for sure. And I expect, you know, outdoors, Washington defense has played so bad, maybe they correct that, you know, and come with a, a, a more of a B, a B performance. So, yeah, I personally would like to would stay away from the New Orleans skill position players not named Kamara. Can't disagree. Philadelphia is traveling to Carolina. I mean, I know that the headline is about CMC, but when you say not getting targeted, uh, Miles Sanders would like a word because it is Kenneth Gainwell, who, by the way, and I understand why, one of the most added players in our game. He's up 12% this week. He is averaging four and a half targets per week. Carolina, though, the matchup, like, not great. They're really tough versus the run, and they didn't allow, like, Tony Pollard drew zero targets last week, and we know what Tony Pollard can do. So I'm a little bit skittish about, I understand why we're excited about Gainwell, but I'm skittish about using him in week five. I agree. It's tough to use right now, but he has a couple carries inside the 10. He's getting the higher value touches than Miles Sanders, who was graded so poorly as a receiver last year. We all remember the drops. I think I'm very worried about Sanders moving forward, and Gainwell is a terrific stash. I hear you. It's tough to rely on him right now at the moment. Definitely helps in PPR. Um, Devontae Smith nearly had a long touchdown last year. He just stepped out of bounds right before, didn't reestablish himself. You love Jalen Hurts, number three, I think, fantasy QB already, and he's had like six touchdowns taken, called back on reviewer penalty. I mean, man, there's there's more there, too, just running like crazy. So um, they're the second high, or, or no, I believe the highest pass, uh, pass rate, neutral pass rate, the Eagles, too. They've just completely abandoned. Another reason not to like Miles Sanders. Uh, a couple games ago, they set an NFL record for fewest carries by the running back. So Two. you yeah. love, love, love where this is going for Hertz, and you hate where it's going for Miles Sanders. Uh, CMC, good news, has been practicing. And per Christian McCaffrey, there is, quote, definitely a chance that he plays, you know, the level to which he plays. Like, we just did this with Dalvin Cook last week. Like, will he be out there? Maybe to what extent, to how effective will he be? Um that all remains to be seen. The Eagles have allowed the second most rushing yards to opposing running backs, 509, in fact, and an average of six catches per week to the position. So I don't, I mean, I don't have the kind of onions to not start CMC if he's going to be on the field because it just takes one big play. Um, and the matchup is good enough that I'll, that I'll do it. But I, again, think that we need to manage our expectations and not expect like a 30-touch outing out of him. If he's active, I'm going to use him. I think the best news, the takeaway of this is that he should definitely be ready next week. That's what I would take of it. You know, just sit him out one more, let him go. And you can even use uh, Hubbard as a top 20 type option. He left the field. It was in garbage time last week. If you look at the box score, he was definitely the, the featured guy there. Um, before the game got out of hand. Uh, but McCaffrey, if he does play, if he is active, I would use him. Yeah, I mean, but um, I don't expect that. I expect him to sit one more week. But great news if you only miss two games from your star uh, when that could have been much, much worse uh, at the time. And then DJ Moore without McCaffrey is a top three fantasy wideout in my book. I mean, uh, Trayvon Diggs, 
no problem last week. Uh, man, Moore looks like an absolute superstar. And I was the guys, one of the guys saying, why, why get Moore when you can get Robbie Anderson four same rounds girl, later? Same. You know, he's, he's recon- reconnecting with uh, mm-hmm. Darnold. And, and Anderson will have better days. Same with Mar- Marshall's been getting open too. But DJ Moore is just clearly the guy. And he's already has like twice as many red zone catches as he had all of last year. And he just looks, looks like, you know, he passes the eye test as well. What are we feeling about Anderson since you brought him up? I mean, I think we both quote bought the dip last week and he did. He had the log the same number of snaps as DJ Moore and he was targeted 11 times, which I don't need to tell anybody that that was the high. He could have been targeted six times and it would have been the highest of the year. So I'm I'm a little bit I'm, with with CMC back in the lineup, assumedly, like I'm not as willing to utilize Anderson. What about you? Yeah, he didn't do a lot with the eleven targets, yeah. and I, um, yeah, I don't have him ranked outside of a wide receiver three. So yeah, and I'm not, I'm not super excited to use Robbie Anderson. That, that's DJ Moore's game, man. It's it's all him. The Tennessee Titans are traveling to Jacksonville. Um, I'm sure Urban Meyer is happy that this game is not in Nashville because you can get in a lot of trouble in that city. Last time I was there, I left a piece of my soul there. I think, um, <laughs> and I only mention that because like. There's a lot going on with this Jaguar squad. Also, Trevor Lawrence's birthday was earlier this week. So, like, happy birthday. <laughs> You're now an NFL pro on this squad. Congratulations. The good news for Jacksonville is that LaVisca Chenault is really starting to turn over, right? This is a player that we have waited on. We love the gadget appeal. And last week we were like, okay, okay, there's some there's some production now. You know, he did, he has seen at least seven targets in three of his four games so far this season. But the 99 yards last week was nice and affirming. And we have to imagine going to continue. We saw his first red zone look of the season last week as well. So when you consider the matchup against the Titans, a super generous secondary, um, they've allowed eight touchdowns on the season. Chenault, by the way, is every single one of us, Andy, Scott, you, me, and Matt, wide receiver 37 across the board. That's funny. And I might even move him. Yeah, I would move him higher as opposed to lower. I'm with you on there. I guess Tavon Austin is going to move outside and they're going to keep Schnolt inside. But that's uh, that should work out just fine. As long Last week, he got more air yards. I know one, ca- one play came on that busted play. But um, yeah, even the coaching staff has said this is going to result in more targets. Um, so I, you like that for Schnolt, for sure, without Chark. And he's uh, so moderately priced in DFS. I also like Marvin Jones quite a bit because, yeah, Tennessee is a very soft defense. Hopefully, A.J. Brown is back on, on the other side. Um, um, I think this game could be close because everyone just assumes that Jacksonville is going to lay down because of the disaster with the Meyer situation. But, but they um, might fight we'll back. See they- we don't know how they'll respond. No. Like, that's why I think it's worth mentioning because some teams just give up. But it's real. It's real early in the season to give up. And it, there are so many young players on that team that they may not be jaded enough to give up yet. And this is like the opposite situations too. Jacksonville's coming off uh, 10 days to prepare, last playing on Thursday. And Tennessee, they ran like 100 snaps last week in that overtime game. So one team should be exhausted and the other team should be better rested, theoretically, the home team. That's true. A.J. Brown, you mentioned um, he is back at practice, but Julio Jones is expected to be sidelined. So it should be, it could and should, assuming he's healthy, be a, a nice blow-up spot for Brown, who was the fourth most expensive wide receiver in our daily game at $27. Yeah, he may be like hobbled around out there, but you're using him if he's active for sure mm-hmm. as a wide receiver one, but especially with no Julio and the tight end position banged up there. And then there's no one else, you know, that, that, no more uh, Nick Westbrook, Ikeni, or even Josh Reynolds as sleepers if A.J. Brown's out there. 
There's no better matchup for Mac Jones to lick his wounds coming off of that very narrow loss against the Bucks than this one at Houston. I mean, the ma- the over-under on this one is 39 and a half. I mean, just woof. But I think, you know, everyone coming out of last week's game at Gillette was pretty complimentary of Mac Jones. And, and a lot went well for the Patriots squad. I think on balance, more went right for the Patriots than did for the Buccaneers. I'm also wondering if that means that, you know, our man Damian Harris, who like the backfield didn't do much work last week, so fine. But our man Damian Harris, per Mike Clay, recorded a career high 17 pass routes without James White in the lineup. So what do you think, Dalton? Are we I know you and I every week kind of perseverate over him. Yeah, that wasn't surprising. He was shut down against the Bucs. Like I said, everyone gets shut down against the Bucs. That was really encouraging to see him run those routes. Bolden got the catches, but I was surprised too with Harris because he had some struggles in pass protection. I thought he might not see the field as much in that matchup. But um, this matchup is the opposite of that, you know, double near double-digit favorites. Um, which is wild with a, such a low over-under, as you pointed out. Um, uh, easy, good matchup. Should be a favorable game script. Uh, you like the extra route running. So, yeah, Damian Harris, um, I'm, I'm ranking aggressively again this week. I mean, Mac Jones is just conservative, all underneath stuff. And uh, you got Belichick up against a rookie quarterback. So you like the setup, uh, the game script for the running, running, running attack for, for New England. And we like that underneath stuff to help not just Jacoby Myers, but also Hunter Henry, which we saw. And by the way, Hunter Henry running more routes, logging more snaps, seeing more targets than Jonu Smith. So he is the preferred option. Yes, they're both going to cannibalize each other. They both scored last week, but still Hunter Henry needs to be ranked ahead. Really, really deep sleeper alert, like deep league, super desperate. Brandon Bolden isn't a wild idea. Again, when we talk about game script and I'm thinking about, listen, you've got Ramonda Stevenson and JJ Taylor, both coughing up the ball, theoretically in Bill Belichick's doghouse. Brandon Bolden has tons of familiarity with the squad. Like he is the guy that BB just can't quit. He comes back all the time. We know that he is reliable. You mentioned that he saw the catches, even if Harris ran the routes last week. And I think when you combine like how shallow this backfield is in terms of talent and think about Harris's injury issues from last season. Maybe if this game gets far enough ahead, you just throw Bolden out there to grind out the clock and get a bunch of carries. And now you have some garbage time production. Yeah, James White suffered a serious injury. That was six targets last week for Bolden. He's big enough to get a goal line carry if needed. He's familiar with the system. I added him in a few leagues this week. I was surprised in which he was still available. No one no one t- is taking him seriously, but I have him ranked as my RB39 this week. I mean, I yeah. think, yeah, he's he's there. He's, he's an option in deeper formats, I think, moving forward, especially PPR. I have him around my RB40, so I'm glad we're in agreement. Uh, oh, the Bears are traveling to Las Vegas. For fantasy purposes, the biggest news, obviously, is that David Montgomery is dealing with this multi-week knee issue and that Damian Williams, who is, by the way, only $18 in Yahoo DFS, is expected to be the number two guy. He got a little bit banged up last week, but he seems to be fine and should be leaned on. Damian Williams, I think a lot of people forgot because he sat out 2020, but he was absolutely fire for the last five games, including the postseason of the 2019 season with the Chiefs. He was a monster. I think he had two touchdowns in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. You know that very well. I don't need to put it in. (laughs) Sorry, as I'm saying it, I was like, oh, I don't want to like rub salt into any wounds. He could have been MVP of that game. He could have easily been voted MVP of that game. 
and so he's up, right? We know that the the legs are the legs are pretty fresh, and the Raiders have been leaky against the run. They're allowing a YPC of four point nine. So I'm surprised that Williams is as affordable as he is in our daily game. Yep, I have him as a top fifteen fantasy back this week. He uh, wow. he's looked good. He should be the three down guy in a good matchup. And yeah, absolutely. With oh, you got to got to tell me more about the field situation. I mean, that was kind of a nice surprise, right? And I think that should help Damian as well. I mean, is it a nice surprise or should this look, what are we doing? Like, why are we trying to like Jedi mind trick everybody and say like, well, if Andy's healthy, he's like, I'm so over it. And I just hope that in this time, Matt Nagy has bothered to devise a playbook that suits Justin Fields. Doesn't matter. Bill Lazor's calling the plays now. That's that's why they were so much better last week. So I'm in on, on Damian Williams. Yeah, Bill Lazor calling the plays, Justin Fields, QB in this matchup. I'm in on Damian Williams as a fine start this week. I'm in on Damien Williams. I'm not necessarily in on fields as a, as a, we did a, on Eckler's edge. We looked at all of the rookie quarterbacks outside, except for Davis Mills. Basically <laughs> um, we looked at all of the first round rookie quarterbacks drafted this year and like who had the most upside. And people were like actually on Twitter debating that Justin Fields had more upside than Trey Lance. And I was just getting super, I was like, I'm the bears fan. And even I have the objectivity to say that that is just false. Like, no, it, it, look at that O-line. It's not true. Anyway, uh, from the biggest side of things, you know, Hunter Renfro, when, when he was playing the chargers, I anticipated him getting loose because the chargers are really good at like closing down those explosive big plays, even if they let up yardage. And so it didn't surprise me that Renfro might get loose. And obviously Waller's a beast. He's playing like an absolute dog. So Renfro is number two behind Waller in terms of targets. The Bears are pretty weak versus the slot in particular. So again, I think Renfro is a fine wide receiver three play in PPR friendly formats. By the way, that's no, in no way an indictment on Fields, what you said, too. Like, no quarterback is ever thrown for 4,000 yards for the Bears for a reason, right? I mean, there's weather and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just an infrastructure thing versus the Niners and their play callers and whatnot. What, how, what about Kenyon Drake being paid the second highest backup running back in the league and then just not even using him when both Barber and Jacobs go down last week? I mean, but it's just bizarre situation there. I get it. Gruden is saving him until December because that's the only month in which Kenyon Drake bothers to produce. Yeah, and then see what James Conner's doing with all those red zone carries that Drake got last last year in Arizona, mm. um, scoring all the touchdowns. But Jacobs is a uh, you know a guy that looks like he's just going to be playing hobbled for a while now. But um, they're going to turn to him with with Peyton Barber going down with a more serious turf toe. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Hunter Renfro, like him as a, as a cheap PPR guy, that's just going to be rock solid week in and week out for sure. And then Ruggs is going to be more of the boomer bust type. And I, as much as I love Brian Edwards and he's flashing a couple TDs uh, early in the year, taken back, I've had to drop him because even with all the passing yards, he still just wasn't producing enough there. And I expect bigger games from Waller moving forward too. And it's surprising to me that Edwards, I believe, is leading the receiving corn snaps, even if he's seeing like oh. none of the targets. It's 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 wild that his usage. I do think that he could be a bigger factor, but we'll see. We'll see how he is incorporated, maybe like before, you know, the middle of the fourth quarter eventually. That would be nice to see. I mentioned that the Chargers are really good, the defense is at eliminating big explosive plays. Well, the Browns are traveling to SoFi this week. The Chargers are two and a half point favorites. And I think that does not bode particularly well for OBJ. Now, people might say that coming off of a week in which Baker was off and the chemistry did not seem right between he and OBJ, that would be a priority for the team. But I also think like, that's fine. The Chargers know that and they're going to shut him down or at least try to limit him. 
Man, OBJ gave a hard time. Me and Harmon did for uh, for Baker Mayfield missing him downfield, and then it was revealed today that Mayfield you know, separated his left shoulder or tore his labrum even. So it's possible that that injury is affecting his uh, accuracy downfield. But either way, it's been a problem. I mean, Beckham's getting all these air yards. Uh, that's very encouraging. You know, Landry remains out, um, but uh, yeah, this isn't the uh, the best uh, matchup. But you're still using Beckham. I I mean, he's still getting targeted, and he's wide open down from some of these. So uh, it's been it's been frustrating. But um, I'm rolling with him still, though. I mean, it's one of, he's going to connect one of these times. I do think it's interesting that the over under in this game is 44 and a half because usually when the Chargers with that offense are on the field, like you expect like a 49 at least, right? Like a 49, a projected point total of at least 49. And yes, we know that Cleveland is going to focus on the run, but. I don't know. I think Vegas is like hinting at something here um, and we should we should take note. I also think that, you know, Miles Garrett has been an absolute beast. Obviously, the pass rush in Cleveland is solid. I think they have 14 sacks, the second most on the season. And that I do think means that maybe you're not going to see as many opportunities in the passing game for Austin Eckler reminds me a little bit of that game against the Washington football team at the early part of the season where he didn't record any catches um, or targets, I believe, because per him, like he was chipping, like he's trying to protect the quarterback. And I think on a short week, maybe, you know, where there could be some exhaustion from that offensive line, they're going to ask for extra help and they have to keep Justin Herbert healthy. Like that is a a massive priority. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Eck have fewer targets in the passing game and be blocking more. That Browns front is a real deal. I mean, they held the Vikings just seven points in Minnesota last week. I mean, there's uh it's, it's, it's tough. So that, that absolutely makes sense uh, that Eckler may be needed to help out there in pass protection. And I do expect a bounce back game from Mike Williams though, who was yep. uh, curiously totally quiet last week, but I still have plenty of confidence in him moving forward. The Giants are traveling to Dallas for our division matchup game. 52 is the over under on this one. Dalton, you are massively high. I talked about our bold predictions weekly column and you you just went lights out for Daniel Jones this week. So tell the people why. Yeah, I have him as an easy top 10 fantasy QB this week. He's breaking out in year three, getting 8.2 YPA, faced a decently tough schedule, third most rushing yards among all quarterbacks. Um, He has more fantasy points this year than Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Herbert, Dak Prescott. Um, And this matchup's good. I mean, Dallas defense has improved, but this is indoors, uh, projects one of the most fast, highest fast paced games. Um, Barkley looks like a weapon out of the backfield. I mean, this Kadarius Tony and John Ross, I mean, they're, they're more explosive than Shepard and Slayton. I mean, I, they're just loaded at weapons. Yeah, he's done that with injuries to his wide receivers and having Evan Ingram as his tight end. So yeah. I don't know, man. I, I really apologize for calling him Daniel Dogecoin in the offseason because I think it's clear he was playing with this bad injured hamstring last year, and he's better than the, that he looked like the absolute worst. And here we are in year three, a running. And even if I'm wrong about like this has been a, a fluke as far as a real-life QB uh, by the way, his only interception has come on a on a Hail Mary. But fantasy-wise, this guy runs. And as a rookie, he put up four games of 25-plus fantasy points. Um, and he, yeah, he's an underrated rushing ability. Love this matchup. Uh, Danny Dimes is a top, top eight, I think, I have in fantasy QB this week. Do you expect some of that rushing ability, those, those rushing attempts to wane a little bit now that Saquon is looking so good? I mean, Saquon is the Yahoo consensus RB2 for the week. 
It is possible, yes. That just as I'm excited for Daniel Jones, Barkley gets healthy again and they go into a total run first team. That it, That is possible for sure. Barkley looks great. He looks really, really good. Um, but I think it's just another weapon that he'll throw. I love the fact that Jones is throwing to him because Eli did it at that big Barkley season and Jones actually didn't really dump it off to him during their limited time on the field together. But he's certainly changed that the last couple of games. So it's encouraging for both. I love that you mentioned Kadarius Tony, the rookie out of Florida. He was my bold prediction this week. I think there might be a nice breakout, especially with Sterling Shepard still being banged up. Darius Slayton also, though, uh, Tony plays in the slot like Shepard does, so he would be the replacement. And last week when he wasn't playing in replacement for Shepard, he converted 6 of 9 for 78. I think he's going to get peppered again in this one. Um, the G-Men are going to be chasing points. They're seven-point underdogs, in fact. And, like, yes, Trayvon Diggs has been a revelation, but the Cowboys are still allowing the fourth-most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, and Tony's not going to see any of that, any of that um, coverage from Diggs for the most part. No, he looked good too. He passed the eye test, get him in space. I have him too low ranked. I'm going to move him up. I'm with you. If those guys miss, it just comes down to Shepard's availability too. But if Shepard and Slayton sit really like Tony and even John Ross is a super deep sleeper, if he catches one of those bombs with, with Ingram, all the targets to him are, are worthless. But that's crazy how the Giants are suddenly the most deep team at wide receiver in football. I mean, that's just, it's a little bit interesting. And, they, and Barkley is looking good and healthy and Danny Dimes. I mean, no one really saw that. Few saw this coming. I'll say that. Dalton, what if I told you that Dalton Schultz had as many receptions as CeeDee Lamb and the same number of touchdowns as Amari Cooper? Yeah, I would say uh, too bad I have a lot of Blake Jarwin and CeeDee Lamb on my fantasy teams. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I have a lot of CeeDee Lamb, too. Should have trusted the first name Dalton and gone with him. But yeah, no, he's he's balling. No question about it. I think he finds the end zone again. He's $19 in our DFS game. I hate chasing touchdowns, um, but you can't look at what Schultz is doing and not forecast another score for him in week five versus the Giants. I mean, the Giants have already given up four scores to the position. Oh, and this is set up. is so nice that tight end underneath. I mean, the, Kellen Moore is calling great plays and you got Cooper and Lamb. Wait till they get Michael. Actually, I was going to say wait till they get Michael Gallup back in the mix, but really that actually might be benefiting Schultz quite a bit, actually. Gallup could have been getting, these. the, the tight ends are getting all, all that underneath stuff. So uh, it's a great setup for him. And I hear you as far as don't want to chase the points, but you could have said that from the week before with Schultz. It's been a back-to-back yeah. couple, of, couple of games where he's been definitely the guy there. So, so yeah, I'm with you. And tight end is such a, a train wreck anyway. So, yeah. We'll take a deep breath because we have reached the point in the show where we will discuss the 49ers traveling to the desert in Phoenix, Arizona. The Trey Lance era looks like it's about to begin. How are you contain? How are you feeling? How are you doing? What are you going to, what like, what are any superstitions you're going to run through before the game? Like, do you have a, a talisman you bring with you or do you flip the lights on like 14 times or something? What, what do you, how are you handling yourself? Yeah, I'm conflicted. It's super weird. I'm frustrated with Kyle Shanahan right now. Sad for Jimmy, but certainly ready for Trey. Uh, by the way, most fantasy points per drop back. Uh, it helps when you get when you only play at the goal line for a while there. But uh, Trey Lance is uh, definitely has a fantasy upside. 20 fantasy points in one half last week, a half in which you know, most people thought he played poorly. But the rushing upside's there. Now we have a full week of starter reps in practice, um, a game plan installed for him. Shanahan, admittedly, they all said no one was even moderately prepared for him to enter that game last week. The Arizona defense is really good and really good against the pass, too. I think like number three in DVOA. So it's not the easiest matchup, but, you know, maybe Eli- Elijah Mitchell back. We have the, uh, Kittle looks hobbled, too. It's not going to help, but Trey Lance time. Let's see. I'm excited to see what happens. But, I mean, who knows? He's so raw. I mean, he's... Uh, throws the ball so hard. Um, it, it'll be interesting. What, what are your expectations, Liz? 
I mean, I don't, you mentioned all of the stats that I looked at, but he led my sleepers piece. And I talked about him on Eckler's edge as the rookie with the most upside, because you're talking about him being raw, maybe being nervous. Well, what do young signal callers with his skill set tend to do when they get nervous? They take off and they run. And Arizona has surprisingly given up the seventh most rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks, 100 on the dot. So for fantasy purposes, it might be a little bit ugly in terms of like efficiency through the air, but this is a game of math that we play. And the amount of points that he can give you via his mobility makes him a top 12 play. Yeah, and big news too. Trent Williams was carted off last week. It looked like yeah. a serious shoulder injury. I was bummed. Thought That's it was more a season ender, and he looks. It looks like he may play though. He may. Uh, Trent Williams should suit up. That and Alex Mack left hurt too as a center, and he, he looks healthy. So that offensive line should be intact. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Trey Lance. Let's 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 see what happens. Arizona, by the way, this was like probably a I don't know about a two and a half point spread last week. It's jumped to five and a half after last week. Giant uh, Niners looked really bad. Arizona looks undefeated and like world beaters. So uh, this should be a very interesting game in a competitive NFC West with the Niners suddenly their backs against the wall. I would also tell people to stop sleeping on AJ Green. He is being started in 18% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. He's $17 in our DFS game. He has six targets in every single game this season. How much would you love that floor in this offense tied to that quarterback? A Niners, a touch bunch of injuries in their secondary too. I wrote off AJ Green. I thought he was washed completely. Um, but this isn't ideal for everyone involved. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins entered last week fourth on his own team in targets. Uh, Christian Kirk has looked better, but you know, it's just a revolving, rotating door there. We haven't even mentioned Rondell Moore. So it's nice for the Arizona Cardinals, but not exactly ideal for fantasy terms. But everybody else is fluctuating and Green is still getting six targets a game. Like, I feel like he is the steadiest. And so I would like to have that sort of consistency in this wildly prolific offense. All right, let's talk about, we're talking about prolific. Like, the amount of points available in Buffalo at KC is bananas. 56 and a half. I mean, start everybody. Like, you got them, start them is sort of my advice. Like, Dawson Knox, you talk about chasing touchdowns, you're worried about it, stop worrying about it. With this many points available, I just think you want to grab all of the pieces that you can. Weirdly, this is the number one DVOA defense, the Bills, versus the dead last DVOA defense in the in the Chiefs. But obviously, Patrick Mahomes is going to put points on the board. So, yeah, start absolutely everyone. Um, Stephon Diggs is going to cash in these air yards eventually. Yep. I was tempted to put him number one this week, but I think I stuck with Devontae. Uh, I like Emmanuel Sanders and obviously Beasley and PPR. Um, Dawson Knox is getting it done in the, in the red area. So, yeah, this is just uh, fire everyone up. Um, not the easiest matchup for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who continues to maddeningly, maddeningly get taken out at the goal line, but he's getting the, the looks otherwise. So, uh, yeah, one thing I will say, I will, I will uh, say a negative word about someone, and that's my guy, Nicole Hardman. It's just tough to, to trust him, man. And they obviously they signed Josh Gordon. So Hardman, it just looks like he's not going to live up to those expectations, uh, the upside with uh, no Sammy Watkins. But otherwise, yeah, start everyone in your fantasy league with confidence in this matchup. From a DFS perspective, Josh Allen is $41. Patrick Mahomes, 37 Who would you prefer? Yeah, just because of the $4 difference, I think I went with I would go with Mahomes. But um. Yeah, we got uh, Kelsey 31, Tyreek at 32. Yeah, I, I would look. Boy, that's a tough one, Liz. I'm le- leaning toward Mahomes, but he obviously has a far tougher uh, defensive matchup on paper. Who, who are you siding with? 
I agree with you. I think I have, I mean, maybe it's just recency bias or like narrative street that's getting to me. Um, but I, I feel like because there is a discount, I will take Mahomes and feel pretty happy about using football Jesus in that situation. Yeah, he's putting up historical like yards per drive, and, and and it's just they've actually dealt with some some fluky turnovers and whatnot. But Mahomes is just so so good; it's almost like boring to talk about. But mm. so, yeah, this should be a fun game, man. You rarely see uh, over unders this high in the NFL. We will not bore the people any longer because that's it. We've run out of games to preview. But if you want to keep chatting with us, you can do it on Twitter. You can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Stick around too because Matt Harmon will be joined by TJ Hernandez for a bonus DFS preview of this week's games on Saturday's episode of the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. And until then, good luck. We're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.